Welcome to This Is Life with Sean Johnson. I'm your host, Sean Johnson, and I hope all of you are doing wonderful out there. Um, yes, this is my first podcast, so I'm going to try my best to get through this, and I mostly hope that all of you will gain some uh, you know, deeper understanding of just life in general, a relationship with God, and really what He expects of us, and how we're supposed to relate to one another. I think that you know, it doesn't take much. You know, you hear about it all, all, all the time on the TV, the radio, friends, conversations, <laughs> holiday dinners. It's not too far off to, you know, to see that uh, our nation and even the church is, is divided in a lot of ways. And, you know, I just, I, it's really sad to me when I hear people just make off the chance, off the, off the cuff comments like, you know, everybody is an enemy, you know, or we were so divided, we can't get along anymore. You know, and friends, especially as, Disciples of God, if we're really claiming that we are Christians and that we are, that we have been, you know, really have a relationship with Jesus, we ought to be the ones on the forefront of that of loving others and of having kindness and and, and really leading the charge to, you know, just not only just revival. You know, hear Christians talk about for years about, oh, this is the year for revival. What I really would rather see is even more than just a revival, you know, where people are getting healed. I want all that, too. I want there to be praise and worship, and I want there to be people, you know, loving God and, and just screaming out his name. I want all those things, the excitement of the church. I, I get that. I've been to some of those meetings. I had a good time, too. But what I truly believe Jesus wants from you and from me, if we are disciples of him, is to go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, friends, what is the gospel? And that's what I really hope to get across in these podcasts is truly what does it mean to preach the gospel? What I believe is, and we're going to talk about it in many different ways. We're going to open up scripture. I'm going to have guests on, talk about personal examples. But we're just going to really get into about what it means to love God and to love each other. Remember, those are the two greatest commandments, that you love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. Everything a part of you loves God. And likewise the same, love your neighbor as yourself. So, that to me is preaching the gospel. That to me is fulfilling the the charge that Jesus gave us. That's the kind of revival I believe that this nation, this world needs, is that those of us who say that we are Christ, that have the unconditional love of Jesus into us, we're so good at wanting to accept his love for us. But what, what challenges us is when we have to then therefore give that love to somebody else, especially people who hurt us or people who disagree with us or, you know, people who we're in confrontation with, you know, Jesus called us to truly love the unlovable, forgive the unforgivable. So how do we do that? Well, I think the first thing we need to do, and today I want to go to, uh, we're going to be reading from the New Testament, but today I want to go to John chapter Hold up here. John chapter 16, verse 33. I'll read it to you. It says, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now think about it. This is Jesus teaching to his disciples, to you and me, even today, 2019, all right? 2,000 years after Jesus walked this earth, he is telling us, these things I have spoken unto you, that ye in me you might have peace. What is it you hear all the time from everything from Miss America to the president to, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're just, just people, everybody, they want peace. That's why people work so hard at 
protesting things they disagree with. I don't think a lot of it comes from a spirit of anger. I mean, sure, anger may be a motivation, but what they truly want is change for the cause that they believe in, which I like to think in most cases is peace. Uh, sure, there's definitely rabble-rousers out there, people who have no desire other than to just cause trouble. But especially as, as Christians, we have a responsibility to lead again the charge of peace. Now, he says there in that scripture, in the world ye shall have tribulation. Friends, the truth is life will happen to us all. And, and that's that's you're going to hear examples, and I, I hope to have future guests that are going to talk to uh, all of us just about what it means to have a relationship with God and still go through struggles in this world, you know, in, in, in this tough time, in this journey called life, where we are at such a time in our life where we just need God. We need people. We need friends. We need loved ones. We need other brothers and sisters to lift us up. We can't do this on our own, you know. And that's one of the things that I've been, that I struggle with a lot. I don't know about you, but I do struggle with that. I, I feel like sometimes I want to be Superman. I want to be the one who takes charge and and, and can overcome any obstacle set in front of me. Yes, I'm that husband. I'm that guy that when we go to the grocery store and we have a car full of groceries, I try to make all uh, pick up all those grocery bags in one trip. Uh, because, you know, yeah, maybe there's a little bit, I don't want to take two trips, but there's also part of it that says, I'm man, I can do this. And uh, sometimes I definitely cannot. Sometimes I have no choice but to even go along back where I came from and pick up groceries that fell along the way. But the point is this, is that we can't do this life on our own. This is why the Bible talks about us going to church and having that relationship with people as we develop a relationship with God. Because once we truly tap into what that means, when you have a relationship with people like you desire to have a relationship with God, and I'm just talking about just people in general. I think that's good. I think it's important that we are kind and loving and exhibit the fruits of the Spirit to all people. But what I'm talking about is a closeness, and not even just a friendship, but like with, especially with the brethren and sisters of the Lord, that there's just a kinship there. Because we are bond together as family. We are all, Jesus calls us, the, this. We, we all have the spirit of adoption, whereby we all cry, Abba, Father, right? So if we are all the children of God, we ought to be the ones that we can work together, look at each other, encourage one another when we are going through life's tribulations that we can have peace because in him, that is where it comes from. Let me finish reading that scripture once again. John 16, 33. These things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. That's important. Be of good cheer. That's crazy talk. Most people in the world, when you're going through tribulation, that's the time you, you that you're angry, that you, you know, maybe go to the bar and drink your sorrows, that you do, you take drugs, you do something to, to, to get, escape the pain. And I've been there, guy. I know, I know that sometimes that's really tempting. I've had bad days. I've done those things. I've maybe not drugs or alcohol, but I've definitely have my own things that I have divulged in that weren't healthy for my body or my spirit. And I know all they did was make me feel worse. They didn't fulfill anything. And so this is why the Bible tells very plainly, 
to put our thoughts, our hearts, our minds, our direction in life when we are going through tribulation in the Lord and his people. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Think about it. We have the very one who overcame the world. When, he, when, God, when God sent his son to die on the cross, to be risen three days later, to show us that even death can't hold him down, what can hold us down? That's the kind of God that lives inside you and me, that we can have power and victory, even when life just throws curveballs at us. And I'm not trying to make it trivial, you know, because I believe and I know that a lot of you listening are maybe even going through a, a tribulation now to where you can barely even get out of bed. And how, how do you address those things? How do you address those times where you don't even want to face the day because you know what lies ahead of you? Well, well, friends, this is what I want to be. I want to be a place of comfort, a place of strength, a place of, of, of peace for you to, to know that, that you're not doing this alone, that you have people out there. They may be strangers to you, but yet we are all serving under the same God, under the same Abba Father whom we all cry out to in the times of tribal. Yes, we call out to him in the times of joy and happiness, and we're going to talk about those times too. But at the end of the day, he is the author and the finisher of our salvation. So, you know, what can we do to make sure that every single time that we are challenged, we rise to the occasion, we stand firm in whom we know is to set us up on a firm foundation to overcome the, day, the, the, you know, the world like God has already done. Let's go to Matthew chapter 5. My favorite scriptures are Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Truly the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, my, my dad, you know, when I was growing up, uh, he was a stickler. He, he wanted me to learn the, the Bible. And I think that he, just like many people who are know the Bible, understand that a good base for understanding what Christianity is about and what our responsibility as Christians is, is Jesus' most famous sermon, and that's Matthew 5, 6, and 7. So if you haven't read it or you haven't read it lately, uh, I encourage you not only to read it, but even take a time to memorize. It's a lot of scriptures, but it's well worth your time and effort because it will truly change your life and your outlook. And we'll talk about that probably, we'll probably go back to Matthew 5, 6, and 7 a lot during these podcasts. Because why? Well, they are the foundation. They're the basics. They're the, they're the, they're the places that you can go. Everything, the, every, for every house has to have a foundation upon which it stands. And that's what Matthew 5, 6, and 7 does. It shows us the foundation of Christianity, the basics, and what I truly believe is, words that if put in action can literally change this world for the better. Matthew 5, 43. You have heard that it hath been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. So he's, of course, he's talking about the Old Testament, whereas eye for an eye, you do something bad against me, I, I can do something bad against you, right? But Jesus is now setting a new bar. He says, but I say unto you, verse 44, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Now, we're going to go back to that here in a second, but this next scripture is where I want to focus on for a little while. Verse 45, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. Now, I used to think that, sure, this because a lot of pastors use this scripture to, to make it sound like God 
allows or causes bad things to happen to good people or good things to happen to bad or good people. Basically, uh, you know, they're close, but as my, you know, as, as I used to say, close, but no banana, right? What this is saying, let me read it again, that you may be the children of your father, which is in heaven, for he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and the, on the unjust. Talk to any farmer, right? I live in Kansas. I live out in the country. I know that the sun is just as important to the farmer as the rain. They're both considered blessings. They're both necessary. But what they also are is they're both a part of nature. They're both a part of something that has already been set in motion. You know, when the, when the farmer plants his seeds, he has faith and an understanding that, that there's going to be plenty of sun and plenty of rain and that, that that's what's going to make his crop grow and so that there can be a harvest. What this is saying to you and me is that God has allowed blessings on both the just and the unjust. It also is telling us that life, itself and all that entails in life, the natural order of life, and this includes even the bad things. This even includes things like diseases and cancer and uh, you know, uh, unemployment and divorces and, and just things that life throws at us for whatever reason. And we'll get to the reason a little bit, but all of these things that are naturally part of life, they will happen to us. And it's not so much about why are these things happening? But really the mindset of a believer ought to be when these things happen to me, whether they were of my own fault, whether I made the decision, whether I caused these things to happen or indirectly, uh, they are re the result of somebody else's decision, bad decision that now affects me or sometimes things that we just cannot control at all. These things happen. So what these things when, when I'm when I'm faced with a, a tribulation, when I'm faced with a circumstance that is 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 challenging, that really just you know overwhelms my heart with with pain or even with suffering or with just a, an emotional response that I don't know how I'm going to stand in my own self, that is when we turn to the Lord. And that's when we can, and also to those whom God has put around us to support us. You know, when I, uh, I have a good friend, and I'm sure hopefully we'll get her in the room sometime, but her name is Jessica. And here in the last couple of years, I've been some of the really last four years, uh, have been the, the most difficult times of her life. Uh, her and her previous husband, Chris, uh, they had a little girl. Her name was Aria. In fact, this little girl, Aria, was my daughter. Uh, they're around about the same age. It was her first best friend. I mean, they did everything together. They giggled. They laughed. They played. I mean, they did everything wonderful. Well, Aria had, at, at, the, at a young age of four years old, I mean, I, for those of you who have children, imagine four years old got diagnosed with a cancer. Now they fought the cancer for about a year. Uh, it would take surgeries, chemotherapy, you know, all the different things that you would do to try and combat this awful disease. And they did, they did a scan. Everything was clear. So we're like, praise God. Hallelujah. We are good to go. You know, that, that let's just, it's just, you know, we, we will just praise God. And this this victory. And we all did. But, of course, you got to keep up on testing, you know, just in case it comes back. Well, of course, about four or five months later, they did a test and it did come back. And not only did it come back, but it came back and it started affecting her lungs. And uh, that little girl, well, the most bravest person I've ever met and ever will meet, 
Uh, I mean, she was even in the midst of her pain. You could tell she was in pain, but even in the midst of it, even in the midst of, of her struggles, and, and it, there was still so much love, and not only just love for her parents and her family, but just still a love for just life and her friends. I mean, she would struggle just to, to, to sometimes just to sit up, but yet her, there would still be a smile on her face, and there were still things that you could look into her eyes and, and just see a hope and a glimmer, even as heartbreaking as it was to watch. And I happened to be there the, the, the night that she passed. And uh, I mean, it was an awakening for, for everybody who was there. It just all of a sudden you just realize this life is but a vapor. So what are you going to do with your vapor? What are you going to do with this life? You know, we, we can definitely do like most people just go do our nine to five and just try to survive through the day. And, and, you know, obviously have a heart to take care of your family and, you know, at least I hope you do. I hope you have a desire to take care of those whom God has given you. But for me, I'm like, let's let's do something bigger than ourselves. Let, let's stand out, especially if Jesus called us to be the salt of the earth. You know, the salt is a natural preservative, right? So when he said in Matthew 5 that we are the salt of the earth, he says, you disciples, you guys are the preservative. You're the one who's to keep this world spinning. And how, you know, how else are we going to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ if we are showing his love, which he did all the time? He gave us the perfect example in the four gospels of what Christianity is supposed to be like. You know, and I, I think that we miss out so much because it's really easy to go off on a self-righteous tangent as believers. You know, it's it's really easy to go off on, well, I'm I'm God's elect, or I'm, uh, you know, God, I'm forgiven, so I can tell everybody else about all their sin. You know, guys, we have to get back to understanding that before we can cast out the the the, the speck in somebody else's eye, that we have this honking beam in our own eye. You know, and it always, it always, it just, it drives me bonkers, right? Because sometimes I see like these street preachers, right? And I mean, God bless. If that's what God's called to do, I guess go out and do it, you know, but don't be mean to people. But I personally don't see that as an option because I'm still trying to figure out my own sin. I'm still trying to figure out my own life. The Bible says to work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. And I am not in a place to call out other people's sin because I'm still working on my own sin. Now, if there's pe- people I love and people I'm close to that I, you know, that that they are relying on me as brother and sister to to help them in their walk with God, then that's different. But if I'm going to go out there and preach to the world and tell the world over and over and over again that they're sinning, that they're being fornicators and adulterers and thieves and uh, you know rapists, I mean, all these crazy things, okay. The world is going to be the world. It ought not be a surprise to us that the world acts like the world. We can change the world from the inside out if Christians just start acting right. If we just start acting like we truly, you know, understand the love of Jesus Christ, and we are the ones who are leading the charge of forgiveness and kindness and gentleness and goodness, that we understand those are the fruits of the Spirit that are most most important, all the fruits of the Spirit, He knows us by our fruits. That's what we are to practice in and to live in. Then we make a difference, a difference that actually does something valuable in the world. You know, we, yeah, we can go out there and just, you know, proclaim all of the sins. We could go out there and take our Bibles and start reading about all the sins of the world. 
But people already know about the sin. But what they don't know is about the salvation, about the solution, about the one who can change them from the inside out, who's changed you and I from the inside out. You know what one of the best ways for disciples of God to practice that kind of relationship? Let me go to Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Actually, we'll start with verse 7. Remember, we're talking about the peace of God. That's the whole objective is that we all have peace, right? We're not only this world peace. I don't, I don't mean that just to be a, just to say that so it's a, uh, because it's a cliche or something that you just say. I mean, I'm talking about, I believe that it's truly possible. I mean, our God is God. He can do anything he desires, and he wants to use you and me to do his work, And I believe that if he's truly the prince of peace, like we say he is, and he lives inside of us, peace is possible. Uh, You know, I know that sounds crazy. We know we go on the news and people, the last thing you want to see is peace. The last thing, you know, that's the last thing you see anyway. But I'm telling you, it's very possible. Look at verse 7 in Philippians chapter 8. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Okay, fine. This has been put on, you know, inspirational plaques at Christian bookstores for years and years and years. But how do you do that? How do you keep your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus and have peace at all times? This is how. Verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, I'm going to say this very clearly and slowly so everyone gets this. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Listen again. If there be any, any at all, any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Let that settle for a moment. If there be any praise, if there be any virtue, you're going through the worst experiences of your life. Like I talked about my friend, Jessica and Chris and, 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 and Jessica's husband, CJ, that literally watch their daughter just deteriorate. Truly, nothing can be as awful and as horrifying of an experience as that. Not only is it not natural to bury your child, because she did go on to, to pass away. Not only is it not natural that, that's just a backwards way. It's not supposed to be like that. But to watch her, the sickness just take her over. I mean, words can't even describe how awful and terrible that is. And the only way they were able to I believe even just to make it through the day and probably truth be told, there were days they didn't get through who would, right? We're, we're, we're not, we're, we're not Superman. Like I said, I, I've tried to be Superman. I'm not Superman. I try to take all these things on my own and I just, I can't, you can't either. But that doesn't mean that we don't get that. That doesn't mean that we give up the fight, especially when we have somebody like Aria who, not only is inspiration to us, but is also counting on us and counting on her friends and her family to help her get through that tough time. Although truth be told, she didn't need our help. God gave that little girl such a strength and such a power and such a, uh, just a will to still be a blessing, even though her body was 
was betraying her. If there be any praise, if there be any virtue, think on these things. So I don't know what you're going through today. I, I you know, I, I maybe today is a good day, but tomorrow may not be. That's the thing about this life is we don't ever know. We don't ever know how the next second is going to affect us. You know, I, I try to make really good decisions. I try to make decisions that are positive for myself, for my wife, for my daughter, you know, for my work, for my family. I try to make good decisions. I fall sometimes. And a lot of times, actually. And I got to pick myself back up. I got to dust off and I got to learn from them. And then I also have to think praise and think virtue. Because not only is it going to help me make a better decision in the future, but it helps me get through the current time. It helps me look in things through God's eyes because he saw that in you and me. He saw even the smallest amount of worthiness that he deemed to make you completely worthy of his his sacrifice. For him to send his son to this earth, he saw you as completely worthy. And we got to see that to this world. This world is worthy of God's love. This world is worthy of, of, of God's blessings. You know, we can't get mad at the, 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 our enemies. God sees it as he sends the rain and the sun on the just and the unjust. He doesn't just bless the, 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 the Christians. He blesses all of us. And we ought to have that same mindset towards everybody that doesn't matter. I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to be kind to you. I'm going to still treat you with respect. Even though I may have a disagreement with you, that doesn't make any difference. I'm still going to love you unconditionally. Because if there be any praise, if there be any virtue, which there is in every single person, Think about, you know, you can think about all the worst names in history and there is still something good about them. Now, that doesn't mean that they're good people, but that does mean that they are still worthy of God's love. I know that's crazy to think about because you and I are probably thinking about the same names now in history of people who did some horrible, awful things that we're still talking about, you know, 70, 100, 200,000 years later, but it doesn't matter. They're still creations of God, and they still are worthy of respect and of love. And if they choose Jesus Christ, they eternity in heaven. Regardless of the, even if that's the thing, I think a lot of people are like, well, if they're not, if they're a sinner, if they're of the world, then then I don't need to, you know, I want to dust my feet off. But man, I mean, what a wimpy way to go about it, you know? We have to look at this world as an opportunity to show love, not an excuse to walk away. This is that's, that's the, that's the whole purpose of Jesus's last words before he ascended into heaven. Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel, the good news. We don't have the luxury of just walking away after, you know, after you, if we're saved, you can just go on your business. You got your job done. You're saved. You get to go to heaven. If that was the case, he would have given you an immediate rapture as soon as you said the sinner's prayer. But no, we're all here because we have a responsibility to 
help one another, to love one another, to be kind, to be sources of strength and of uh, sources of peace and sources of joy, and most importantly, sources of love to every living soul. Everybody deserves love and kindness and respect. Even if we disagree with lifestyle, even if we disagree with choices, even if ourselves were hurt terribly by them, God still commands us to show his love. I know that sounds crazy. That goes completely against what the world will tell you. The world will tell you, hey, if, 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 you know, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Or, you know, revenge is the sweetest thing. All these crazy thoughts that only do one thing, and that just makes it worse. Does not bring about peace. Does not bring about fruitfulness. And definitely does not get you closer to the Lord. Christians, we got to do better. Christians, we got to stand up for the, for the less fortunate. We got to stand up for those who are hurting. And we got to stand up for the church in general. And then sometimes that means even tough love to the church. Say, come on, church, get back in line with Jesus' teachings of the four gospels where everybody was worthy of his love. Not just those who came to church on Sunday. Not just those who were willing to listen to a message. And definitely not just those who put in an offering. Everybody is worthy of his love and his respect and of his kindness from that is living inside of us. Romans 12, 21, it tells us, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. I mean, it's right there in black and white, straight in front of us, probably preached in thousands of churches across the country every Sunday. But yet, do we practice it? No, we're too busy complaining about the problem, about the evil, when he's given us the victory already because we can overcome evil with goodness. Friends, today's the day to to make some changes in your life and maybe even the way of thinking, all of us. How are we going to make today better than tomorrow, not only for ourselves, but for everybody whom God puts in our path? I challenge you, this is the today's challenge, is to go forth from today after hearing this, this, this podcast and say, God, I want to see the goodness. Show me the, the little tiniest bit of praise, the little tiniest bit of virtue, and let me focus on the goodness that you've given, this, you've given us and you've given me and you've even given situations that look awful on the outside, but truly, God, you are still going to be reflected in goodness. And that is, that's what's going to sustain us in peace. That's what's going to get us through tough times is that we focus on that which is good. Again, Romans 12, 21, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Until next time, aloha and mahalo. <laughs>